Welcome back to Bick and the Boss here on Sportsnet 650. Bick Nazar, Craig McEwen uh, on location today, our first one in 17 some odd months at uh, Meadow Gardens Golf Club in Ridge Meadows uh, on uh, behalf of the 2021 Rogers Jays Care Celebrity Golf Classic in support of Challenger BC Baseball. Gearing up a, a massive week. Uh, in the NHL, not just because the expansion draft, but the entry draft is this week. Uh, NHL draft coverage on Sportsnet 650, brought to you by Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. Sore feet, they can help. Book your appointment at Kintech today and find out why. So it's going to be a massively busy week, and uh, we started off this week with some actually uh, huge news in the NHL. Um, Luke Prokop uh, from Nashville Predators Prospect, uh, Announces today, first openly gay NHL active NHL player uh, under contract, which is a massive step for the NHL, who have obviously been doing many initiatives. Hockey is for everyone. And here's this opportunity now where Luke Prokrep steps forward and announces that he is openly gay and uh, a big moment for the NHL. And, and Luke's been... Doing the media tour, obviously, today he joined Elliot Friedman, Jeff Merrick on 31 Thoughts. We'll play a bit of it uh, for you in just a second here. But you know, one thing that's emerged as we as we go through this, we saw Carl Nassib go through this as well a couple of months ago. But you notice the community, there was always this fear of, hey, what happened when this happened? Or what the reaction would be. It has been overwhelmingly supportive from teams, media, across the NHL. You would hope so. But in this day and age, I guess <laughs> what we hope and want doesn't always happen. But I can't imagine um, the courage it takes to, you know, as he said, he wants to live his authentic self. And having to have this mask or, or, or hide behind something and try and be someone you're not, I, I, the time, energy, and effort on that, Bick, is just, it's so sad that people feel that this has to be something that, you know, they have to do in order to be real. Like we get to be real every day. Mm-hmm. That, and that, that's what we should be as human beings, real, understanding, know what's going through people's minds, how they're acting, how they're acting. It shouldn't really matter. But I think this is a really important step because what happens is, is when someone does something first or there does that, then more people will see it normalized and hopefully more people have you know the courage to come forward and, and, and just be themselves. Think of something we talk about when we're talking about playing styles, Yeah. right? How do you play to your identity? Well, here's someone who feels that he can't be himself around his teammates, around his team. And, and in the context of, hey, how do you be the best hockey player, the best athlete? If you don't feel like you have your identity, that's that's really tough. If you feel like you're always constantly in a shadow and, and, and trying to protect the idea of yourself. It, it's different. So now, hey, he gets to take power of this announcement, this this moment for him. And hopefully, like, hey you start to see the best version of a hockey player himself as well. So an exciting moment. Uh, very happy for Luke. And he joined Elliot and Jeff on the 31 Thoughts podcast. We're talking about, hey, the support from the community. He had to bring this up with the Nashville Predators. This is what Luke had to say about being supported by Nashville. 
that feeling of having Nashville support me was something I hadn't felt before. Honestly, it felt like I could do anything. Like having that support for them, knowing that they still support me and believe in me and just want to treat me as me and as a hockey player. Like they drafted me as a hockey player. They didn't draft me. They didn't know beforehand that I was gay. So they drafted me as a hockey player and to know that they still believe me, even though there's some people in the world that, you know, don't accept this or, you know, think it's a choice. It was an amazing feeling. That's uh, Luke Prokop of the Nashville Predators, uh, again, announcing today uh, that he's openly gay and also being the first active NHL player that's under contract to do so. So it's a, a massive moment, and certainly uh, we wish him and the Nashville Predators all the best. Yeah, and again, you, you heard in his voice there how you know proud he was of the organization uh, supporting him, but yeah, why wouldn't they? I mean, listen – um, you know, he's a, a young man that obviously is, has probably been in a lot of tough situations in, in locker rooms growing up, probably heard a lot of stuff that wasn't pleasant to him, but now he can be his true self, his authentic self. And, and you talked about, you know, having to, to maybe not be open and honest with people all the time. He's not a Hollywood actor. He's not playing a part. This mm-hmm. is his life. And to be his best self, and now that he can represent himself and who he is and what he feels and how he is, you know, I, I would hope Nashville, the National Hockey League, would do what they've done, and, and they have, and, and this is fantastic for him and, and really proud that he took this step, you know, to do this in, you know, a macho-dominated world of sports that we're all still learning and growing, and hopefully everyone is becoming a lot more ex- uh, accepting of different things. Bick Nazar, Craig McEwen here on Bick and the Boss. We're going to connect with Ty Smith uh, in just a couple of minutes here, uh, New Jersey Devils defenseman who's golfing right now at uh, Meadow Gardens Golf Club for the uh, Rogers J Celebrity Golf Classic, all in support of Challenger BC Baseball. Uh, he joins us now, Ty Smith, on the course. Uh, Ty, how are you shooting? Huh. Boys are kind of on fire right now. Four straight birdies. There you go. Nice, nice. What hole are you on? Whereabouts are you on the course? You hit the back nine yet? Uh, we're just just about to tee off here on nine. Bit of a slow start for us, but uh, we're doing well now. It's, it's been fun. Who's slowing you down? Who's uh, <laughs> who's the one in the group that's uh, holding everything up? <laughs> uh, I think everyone's doing a little bit of something. It's been it's been good. <laughs> Uh, all right, we're we're joined with Ty Smith. Uh, all right, so your season this past year uh, in, in New Jersey, uh, you know, what did you make of it? Obviously, there's some difficulties with with COVID and everything, but uh, overall, uh, what did you feel like? Uh, how your season went? Yeah, um, obviously a little bit different of a look um, with few restrictions and uh, kind of playing the same teams. I guess played seven different teams eight times each, I guess. So seeing a lot of the same guys. Um, I mean, I think I think as a team, we started off pretty hot, um, had some setbacks a little bit, and then uh, ended up not doing too, too well. But um, personally, I think, I think it went pretty well for me, um, kind of just learning what the league's like, um, kind of being able to adjust, and we had a good group of guys, so that made it, uh, made it a lot of fun. Yeah, and Ty, when you talk about learning the league and adjusting, what what did you learn the most, and what was the the toughest thing for you to get accustomed to? Um, I think it's just seeing how uh, seeing how smart all the players are. Um, I mean, everyone's in the right spots all the time, so it's, uh, it's a lot of fun playing 
with and against um, players like that. And, uh, and then I guess it's kind of the other tough thing for me, I guess, was uh, just the strength. I think that was probably the hardest thing to kind of figure out. Um, just getting used to the bigger, stronger guys. I guess you're playing against men now from, from junior to there. It's a pretty big step. So um, just getting used to how how physically tough these these uh, players are. Was that the big note uh, from your exit meetings? Just uh, you know what to work on in the off season. Um, yeah, I think they uh, they're pretty positive with me. They're pretty happy with how things went. Um, I think I I personally think that I need to work on my shot and uh, just I guess overall physical strength, being a little more explosive. And uh, I think they're fine with that. They agree with that. So that was that's probably a focus of mine for the summer. Yeah, and as you approach this summer, Ty, is it, is it any different than years past in the sense that you have that knowledge and you know what it takes, like the, the tweaks in your maybe some of your fitness routine, working on those shots, spending extra hours, and that is is it going to be different for you this year or pretty much status quo what you've been doing the past few seasons? Um, I think very similar. Um, maybe a little bit different just in the sense that um, I played there a year, so now it's kind of just, working on areas that I think will help me a lot um, from what I saw this year. So um, for the most part, I think it's the same, though. I'm still training out at Delta with, with Ian Gallagher and Jordan McKenzie and then uh, on ice with Yogi Tchaikovsky. So similar uh, similar sort of stuff. Uh, what did you make of uh, the big trade uh, for the for the Devils, uh, acquiring Ryan Graves? You know, he's obviously got a lot of history playing there with Kale McCarr. Uh, you're both lefties, so maybe you won't play together, but uh, another body on the Devils' blue line. Yeah, I think that was uh, definitely a good trade for us. Um, I mean, he's a big body, like you said. He can, seems like he can play against anybody and physical guy. So, I've, And I've also heard uh, a lot of good things about him as a, as a guy from uh, – Bowen Byram and a buddy of mine, Noah Dobson, trains out out east with him in the summer. So I heard he's a good guy, so he should be a good addition for our group. How difficult was this season, Ty, you guys going through this and playing the same teams? And and you see the playoffs and hockey getting back more to normal with fans and playing, you know, just outside of your your division. But how difficult was that to see those teams day after day, game after game, and not experience what else is around the National Hockey League in the sense that, you know, when you're playing junior, you you get to go to a bunch of different cities. You just don't see the same clubs over and over again. Yeah, it was uh, was tough for sure. I mean, it, was, it made it easier, I guess, in the sense that um, less travel. Like, I mean, I don't. We didn't have a flight longer than an hour. Uh, a couple teams were just a bus away, so um, travel travel helped us out a lot. But at the same time, it was tough in the sense that played a lot of the same teams, a lot of good teams, and uh, I think that guys kind of just got got to know each other pretty quick in that division, and I guess in all divisions and. Um, the pre-scouts were uh, kind of getting repetitive in a way that um, I think everyone kind of knew what they were going to expect going into the game. So made it a little bit tougher and a little bit tighter of hockey. You know, we heard a lot about uh, players having to adapt to the, the NHL lifestyle where, you know, it, we always hear, hey, going to movies, get around to golf, and, and just being together. Uh, you were, were older players, veteran players, telling you just how different this year was and, and what to expect years moving forward? 
Um, yeah, they're they're uh, they were really good for me, just kind of helping me out. Um, older veteran guys, they they did a good job on our team, um, kind of helping me out with what to expect and um, kind of the way things are going to go. So uh, I'm pretty thankful for for the group of guys we had. Uh, we'll we'll let you go on this one. Uh, obviously, here in Vancouver, a lot of focus is on Quinn Hughes, but uh, people want to know what's going on with Jack Hughes as well. The the Hughes family. Uh, what were your impressions of Jack? And uh, should we expect another Hughes by the landing in uh, New Jersey? Huh. Um, yeah, I mean, I live with Jack. Uh, we're the two youngest guys in the team, so um, we're we're pretty close. Uh, we talk every day. I'm um, in the summers and stuff. He's a uh, He's a bit of a character. He likes to have a lot of fun, but he's a he's a great guy, and I think he's a very very talented player. Um, he's going to be somebody who's going to put up numbers in, uh, in our league here for for a while. So his skill is off the charts, and I think he's really focused and dedicated to the game. I think a lot like Quinn, so um, that that should be good for us. But the more Jack gets better, that helps me out. So it's it's uh pretty exciting times and um and then yeah picking fourth uh luke luke uh could very well be sitting there and he's a great kid and great player but he might be he's got some size on him too so um i mean probably can't go wrong picking another hughes but who knows i mean our staff will be doing a really good job um with the decision-making process and, and uh, scouting players. So uh, I'm sure they'll make the right decision. We'll see. Thanks, Ty, for doing this. Really appreciate you supporting the uh, Jays Care Challenger Golf Classic here today. Uh, keep it going low on the back nine, and, and good luck uh, with your training the off season. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's uh, New Jersey Devils defenseman Ty Smith. Uh, joining us here as we broadcast on location, Meadow Gardens Golf Club here for the 2021 Rogers Jays Celebrity Golf Classic, all in support for Challenger BC Baseball. Last time this event was hosted in 2019, uh, just about $70,000 raised for uh, the Challenger program, which uh, helps uh, uh, baseball all across the province. And uh, yeah, he couldn't join us by the table, but uh, busy uh, shooting a low round. We hope. Well, you, you wonder how mad is group was you know come on yeah. get off the phone ty let's go we we need you to hit your drive we got to take yeah three we need of the heavy drives. off the tee we need your three of your drives to go here but yeah um a, a great afternoon here at meadow gardens and you know we thank them for hosting us again and this uh, tournament had to take a year off but the the incredible work by the organizing committee everyone at challenger uh, bc baseball fantastic opportunity and it's nice to see you know what Bick. in all reality there's a lot of canuck alumni here mm-hmm. you know the kirk mcclain's the, the cliff ronnings they're out there darcy rota had a great conversation with him earlier but you know a guy like ty smith and, and lance bulma the former giants out there as well it's really really great to see them giving back and coming out and, and supporting something like this and having a good good day because they all like to golf anyway so it, you might you might as well uh support a, a cause while you're out there on the links you know all the things that have been stripped away for 17 months it's, it is stuff like this that not that you ever took it for granted but it, like there are you know initiatives that uh stumble because we, we weren't allowed to have these types of events and even just being here uh, feels like a sense of normalcy all over again, and obviously it's for a great cause. We get to be out here, it, out in the sun, and uh, enjoy a great day. Also, get to talk to people like Ty. But it, 
it is just a reminder of hey, what we've been through for 17 months here. Yeah, and the fact that you can help such an incredible organization and just do your own part, but as you said, us working together, us seeing mm-hmm. Cam at the table, like it, it's. It's, I didn't even know really Cam nice. had the flow going and everything. Yeah, I it's know. It's wild. He, he's 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 looking pretty. Uh, People don't get to see Cam Barrow a lot of time. But, yeah, uh, I know. But he's hard he's at work got, always. He's got the hair going. He's he's working hard here or hardly working, whatever you want to say. Both at the same time. Yep. But um, yeah, no, awesome opportunity and interesting to hear Ty there talk about the year and you know I guess you don't know what you don't know, uh, but. It would be challenging to go into the National Hockey League this year and, and, and have to follow all those rules and understandings And when, you know, even in junior they weren't put under the same type of mm-hmm. restrictions. So it, it's, uh, it's great to see the season that he had and, again, a very promising up-and-coming player for New Jersey. You know, they, they started so hot. They were so good in the early season and, and obviously him – he was running the power play and, and, yep. and being that you know new age D man, that smaller player that knows how to skate can really make a pass and, and run a power play. And you saw how much New Jersey was scoring, and then the COVID issue hit, and suddenly their season just just felt like it was never going to get back on track. Similar to what we saw here in Vancouver. Now the yeah. timelines were a bit different. And it's not as if Vancouver's having a lot of success to begin with, but you think of that's a team that can. It feels like it could flip really quickly because of a player like Ty Smith, because of a player like Jack Hughes. Like that's the first overall pick that I feel like people are kind of forgetting about all of a sudden, and it can just go so quickly if Jack Hughes takes another step this upcoming season. And you know, don't forget, and we talked about a Graves going in there to to help mm-hmm. them out, solidify things, and they have some room. They have some opportunities to take advantage of some stuff. And New Jersey is one of those places that maybe gets a bad rap sometimes, as far as oh, nineties hockey, right? Yeah, the swamp. But it's a it's a real great place for those players to live. Uh, attractive, some some you know real short jaunts where you, where you don't travel quite as much. They're going to be okay, the Devils, and and yeah, you you asked them there, but there is a good chance they could have another Hughes on the roster uh, come the weekend. Well, there's a text here, six fifty, six fifty. Do you guys think uh, New Jersey picks a D-man in the draft? Looks very crowded on that left side, and I guess that's a byproduct of making that Ryan Graves trade, right? Because if you, if you were looking, say, hey, that's an obvious destination for Luke Hughes, and he's a left left shooting D-man. Well, there's Ty Smith. There's Ryan Graves. Luke Hughes not expected to step into the NHL right away, but suddenly it looks kind of crowded. Uh, I kind of just go into the mindset, hey, just draft good players. If Luke Hughes is at the top of your board and you're up on on the clock, just take him. You don't know what two years is going to look like from now. Maybe Ryan Graves isn't what he was in Colorado. Yep. Playing next to Kale McCarr is a different reality. Suddenly you're playing next to whoever, Will Butcher, and it's like, ah, it's not quite the same. And suddenly you're, you're just thinking, hey, maybe we have to move off this asset. So the idea of do you have to draft for need at fourth overall, I don't think you can go anywhere near that idea of drafting for need. That high in the draft, how often do you get an opportunity to draft superstars? And if you think uh, Luke Hughes is a superstar, just got to take him. Well, and look at the pedigree with his two brothers and, and you know, you're always wondering, you know, the stalls. We, we've seen other brothers come, Sutter brothers, you know, back in the day. Who's going to be the best one, you know? He, he could be the best out of all three. You never know. And, and we've spoken to Will Scouch as well, who joins us every Tuesday. He will tomorrow as well, 1.30 uh, here on Connect Central uh, as we prepare for the draft. This is like Christmas week, I imagine, for him. But, like, Luke Hughes has kind of been a bit of a polarizing player because 
you know, physically you would look at it and say, ah, oh, he's not really at the speed of an Owen Power or something like that. Well, he's got a full, almost a full calendar year yes. behind some of these guys. And, and it's not about picking who's been the most productive player right now. It's about picking who's going to have the best career moving forward. It's, you're projecting the future. You're trying to figure something out that's very difficult to figure out. And, you know, Luke Hughes is a player that right now you know, maybe goes a bit lower than people anticipate, but it's also you know, really exciting because he could show the biggest pop in a year's time. Well, and that's really when you draft and you look at it, you're right. In the here and now, someone could be a, 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 a man amongst boys and look mm-hmm. really good at a certain level. But once you get to the top level, the top 2 3% in the world, how are they going to do there? Are they going to take a leap? Is there room to grow? Like, that's the most difficult and, and probably hardest thing for a scout to do is to figure out where is that room to grow? What are they going to do? How can we project that they become a little bit better player down the road? Are they capped out? What are they doing? That sort of idea. That that's, that's the tough part. And when you look at that and you think of Hughes, in this case, being almost a full year younger than everyone, he would appear to have that opportunity that he has more upside than maybe someone else. And obviously here in Vancouver, there's some people wondering, hey, should he slide to nine? Is that someone that they'd, you want them to draft? I, I feel like a couple of things need to happen for Luke yeah. Hughes to slide to nine. I, I kind of get the feeling that he's going to go before nine. However, hey, what if Jesper Volstadt jumps up the list and suddenly somebody starts sliding down the list? Yeah. What if Mason McTavish jumps a bit higher and, and people prioritize yeah. centers? There is a scenario that develops that Luke Hughes starts to slide, and if he's staring at you at nine, if he's that high on your board, he's not there for me. Like I, I'd be looking at a an Eklund, I'd be looking at a Kent Johnson. Uh, I, I'm big into Matt Coronado. Maybe that changes the conversation, but uh, you know, for me, uh, I think the Canucks just need to get best player available. If it is Luke Hughes, then it's Luke Hughes. But uh, I, I do kind of worry that if, if if he's gone before then. I would assume he's gone, but if he's sitting there, I could definitely see the Canucks taking him. Don't they have a negotiation with his brother coming up? They want they want to be in the good books. They want <laughs> Make to be it good. Easier. They want to be good in the family good books. Uh, it's Vic Nazar, Craig McEwen. Keep your thoughts coming in. Six fifty, six fifty. We'll get to more of them on the other side here on Vic and the Boss here on the home of the Canucks Sportsnet. Six fifty. You're listening to Vic and the Boss on Sportsnet. Six fifty. Welcome back to Bick and the Boss here on Sportsnet 650. Bick Nazar, Craig McEwen, broadcasting live from Meadow Gardens Golf Club for the 2021 Rogers Jays Celebrity Golf Classic in support of Challenger BC Baseball. Uh, last time this event was put on in 2019, 70000 just shy of $70,000 raised to support the program. It is a massive fundraiser, and we are... Uh, thrilled to be on hand to help support the cause as well hey Uh, a couple extra hundred bucks you know went to that total when (laughs) seaball ripped off adam Forsythe. so you know here's the story i'm I'm, yeah i'm curious if if the you know the people in the dunbar lumber text inbox 650 650 so if you go to a golf tournament and you say hey guys if i win anything can you collect it for me and then you leave said golf tournament and you win a driver and then the MC goes rogue and just says, well, he's not here. He's not getting it. We're, we're getting rid of this. We're going to raise some more money. <laughs> like, is that offside? I'm not so sure because for the, the, the charity itself, it's great. It's awesome. But for the poor person like Forrest who, who lost his driver because he wasn't here, even though I remember him telling people distinctly, hey, 
I've got to go. Can you pick it? So do you have to be at, a, at, a, at an event to win the prize? Is it, is it full on for them just to all of a sudden, hey, you're not here. We're giving it away to someone else? Hey, being here for the, uh, for the charity, I, I say you dedicate your time, you dedicate your money, you've got to put in the full shift. <laughs> you got to pull in the full shift. So go this, to the banquet. This is go to for, the dinner. This is Force's fault. Eh? I hope he's listening right now. I, I don't know if he it's probably, Force's fault. He probably has nightmares still. You, you probably went to bed crying that oh, night. Yeah. Well, he's a big golfer too. Yeah, He's a massive guy. golfer, yes. You get an extra 25 yards off the tee. It's gone now. All for a good cause. Yeah. But uh, gone. Uh, maybe you have to be here to pick it up. I'm not so sure. <laughs> there, there is no dinner this year, un- unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, yeah, lots of great golf. Uh, Tanbeer's so- asking, do you guys get to play the course? Uh, the boss does. Uh, I've got to work the people show, so I- I- I'm busy. The-, 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 the boss has already like got his clubs out, raced back to the car. Do I have enough time? Yep. Do I got time to hit the range or anything like that? Putting green, like we're looking at the putting green, sizing up. It's a scramble. I can I can go out there and wing it. <laughs> but uh, hey, Meadow Gardens uh, course looks in fantastic shape. Everything here is is tip top. And and again, thank them as well for supporting the uh, Rogers Jays Challenger Golf Classic because this is uh, an awesome event. And, and next year we can only hope that it, it'll be back to its original form and you know thirty plus uh, foursomes and and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, no great day. But yes, I I do have the opportunity to go out and play. Um, once the show perks, ends. Perks of being the boss. And uh, myself, Cam, the grunts, will uh, we'll continue putting a shift. Putting a shift, trying to trying to become the boss one day. Uh, uh, there we go. We've got uh, the Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. What's up? If it's not, if he's oh, not Cody there. Oh, the escort, yep. yeah. If he's not there and it's a charity thing, he doesn't get it. He that's, doesn't get it if it's not a charity event. He, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fair. That's, that's fair. That, that's a bit harsh, but yeah. But it's not harsh. Like we're we're doing good things here. See, they're wondering if the people shows on location. If we were no. really thinking about that, we should have made them come all the way out here, so you guys wouldn't have to go. Cam and you, uh, Bick, you guys wouldn't have to. I go mean, anywhere. in theory, we could just work here. In theory, but I mean, Cam wants to go back home. <laughs> Cam's got a small dog. Wants to go back home. I would want to work from home too. I, I will say this has been very enjoyable. Uh, you know, we've been doing the show uh, six months. Sir. First time we've done it in person. Yep. Which is doesn't see it, it just doesn't seem possible. Thursday was the first time I went back in the studio. So per, yeah, it's crazy. It's been a crazy sixteen months or whatever it's been. Unbelievable. Yeah. So uh, looking forward to. We also got to get Tim on too at some point here to talk about this. Oh, is Tim Hall on right now? Uh, we we should get Greg Ballack to give him All a right. call. See if we can't get We're him. Making on. it up on the fly. A uh, <laughs> couple of text messages. Hey, uh, that's my career, buddy. <laughs> making it up on the fly. Well, why am I following your footsteps then? Um, <laughs> this uh, text, we're talking about Luke Hughes, though, as we went to break. Uh, what is Luke Hughes projected to be, though? Should he fall to nine? Is this something that the Canucks could explore? Uh, offensive D-man, defensive, hybrid, bit of both. Our last all-around D-man, if you don't include Quinn Hughes, would have been Ole Levy. So that scares me a bit for uh, a Luke Hughes uh, for that type of player. He's also coming off uh, an injury as well, a bit of a, a foot issue. So, look, valid concerns. Valid concerns that are uh, popping up in the text message inbox. I, I would again be really shocked if he falls there, but mm-hmm. you never know. The the Canucks have you know Pod Colson fell, and they they've got a, a a really good prospect there. So especially when you think of Detroit, yeah, sixth overall, they passed on Quinn Hughes, and everyone was like, how how could you do it? Passing on Quinn Hughes, the Michigan guy, and then there's Luke Hughes all over again. You got it. You got to do it. Uh, we'll see what happens. 
uh, on Friday. NHL Draft, Expansion Draft, uh, wraps up on Wednesday. Uh, but before then, we wrap up here at the 2021 Jays, Rogers Jays Care Celebrity Golf Classic in support of Challenger BC Baseball. On the line now is Tim Hall, Executive Director of Challenger Baseball and the uh, Provincial Coordinator. Tim, thanks a lot for giving us some time today. Uh, how great was it to uh, have this event and be back on? Oh, it's just so wonderful. I mean, this this event is uh, such a big part of our season, and it it provides um, you know funding for our twenty five plus BC Challenger leagues throughout the province, and it's what keeps our program going. And um, it's this uh, fundraiser has been uh, I think it started around two thousand and three, so it, it's really been a massive part of our programming, and uh, you know we're just so thankful for everybody that's involved. Yeah, Tim. Maybe explain to the listeners out there a little bit about Challenger Baseball, uh, how it works, uh, who can get involved, and, and if there are people out there that you know would want to take part, how would they do that as well? Yeah, so Challenger Baseball is a baseball program that's been specifically adapted to players with disabilities, whether it be uh, cognitive and or physical disabilities. And uh, our game is – our league is set up uh, – much like any other league to to provide a baseball experience with uh, teammates and uniforms and pitcher day and wrap-up barbecues and all those awesome things that go along with community sports. And, um, you know, it really gives that baseball experience and the benefits and social aspects uh, that go along with that. And it's also an awesome community program because we get uh, lots of the community members involved and other baseball teams in the areas involved that, come in and buddy with our players and partner up with our players and help them throughout the game and, and play pass with them at the beginning and go through the skill things we do at the beginning and, and then uh, accompanying them throughout the game and that kind of thing. And, you know, anybody that wants to play Challenger Baseball, uh, they just need to go uh, look up Challenger Baseball Canada, um, go to the Challenger Baseball Canada site, and there is a, you know, how to find a league in your area look, uh, uh, button there. And uh, you put in your area, and I'm, I'm sure there's a Challenger baseball program that's close to you. Uh, you mentioned you know 25 leagues, so supporting 25 leagues, uh, the, the Challenger program. Uh, are you always blown away just just how much growth there has been in the program and, and where it can go as well? Yeah, I mean it's it's one of these sports that because there's not a lot of programming like adaptive programming mm-hmm. for players with disabilities that you know once these kids start playing this and the uh, benefits they get from it from the whole family, they, it really grows word of mouth and um, the players also can play from four years old to adult. So, you know, we have a, the variety of players is, is, is huge and, and you can play, you can continue to play. So most of our players start at a really young age and, and, and then they continue. So the, the program just keeps growing and it's similar like that through, through all the leagues in BC. So, you know, an example is in Abbotsford, which is actually where I'm from. Um, you know, we started with 12 players, and we're at 60-plus players there. Um, and, uh, yeah, every every year there's other communities that um, that have interest in starting new leagues. So so this kind of funding helps with startup leagues, and it also helps with the operating leagues as well. Tim, I mean, so many people uh, work on this tournament uh, f- 
the committee, you know, the, the Canuck alumni is involved. We've got some NHL players here, the, the, the Jays care, all that sort of stuff. I, I'm guessing, you know, they always say it takes a village, but in, in this case, it must be really nice for you and the organization to see such incredible support by so many different organizations uh, here in British Columbia. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just incredible. I mean, the this tournament's always had such good support, but, I mean, the Rogers group and the Jays Care group and you mentioned the Canucks alumni and, in the past, the BC Lions alumni. Um, you know, this year's a little smaller, this tournament, but, I mean, the the support we get from all these groups, um, it, it just means the world to us because, you know, Challenger is all, you know, volunteer-based and, um you know, it takes a lot of people to, to basically run these programs, which is already a stretch. And then to put on a big tournament like this to raise the kind of money that we need to run our programs is is uh, difficult for, for a volunteer base. And so to have, you know, people like Rogers and Jay's Care and come along and help us with this has been it's been amazing. Especially with a volunteer-run program. I, I can't even imagine the challenges and, and, and the – the demand of people wanting to get back out there in the last 16, 17 months of just waiting, kind of waiting on the sidelines, uh, you know, what challenges have, have COVID presented to you guys? Well, similar to any other, any other youth sports leagues out there, you know, we, we were, you know, we had to cancel our last season. We had to cancel our golf tournament last year. So this one's really important because, you know, we didn't want to go two years without, without being able to run a fundraiser. Um, You know, so, our leagues haven't weren't able to operate last year, but we've been, some of our leagues are going this year and we're luckily we've been able to have a tournament this year as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we were, you know, down to smaller activities and, and um, not being able to play full games. Um, but it's hard on our players because a lot of them, you know, are very uh, scheduled focused and uh, their programming is really important to them. So, you know, we've had to adapt. And luckily, you know, we've had some good return to play uh, training with Jay's Care and, and we've come up with a way to uh, to continue the season, even though we had to change it a little bit. He is uh, Tim Hall, the executive director and provincial coordinator for Challenger Baseball. If you need more information, uh, he did mention it is bcchallenger.com. If you want to volunteer, you can also uh, hit the volunteer tab online as well to become a buddy. Tim, thank you very much, and uh, we're, we're glad to be back here uh, supporting Sportsnet 650 at the uh, Jays Care Celebrity Golf Classic. Take care. Thank you so much. I just wanted to mention it's actually ChallengerBaseballCanada.ca. Sorry about that. Sorry. Thank you very much. Uh, it so is much. Tim Hall, uh, the provincial coordinator for Challenger Baseball. Nice. Yeah, it's um... – I don't know if you've ever seen a Challenger game, Bick, but it's it's really incredible to watch the excitement. Uh, you know, the, the the they get jerseys, they they play the great game of baseball, a lot of support, and and just for the families to to have your your child or young adult uh, be a part of something like this, be a part of a team, just is really a, a fantastic experience for everyone. Bick Nazar, Craig McEwen here. Bick and the boss uh, on site here for Meadows Garden, Meadow Gardens Golf Club. Uh, and uh, Marcus and Gibson's uh, texting in, kind of uh, following up on the story about uh, Force. Uh, Bick could stay all day winning those raff- raffles, but now now if he wins, C-Mac will be yelling, Redraw! Redraw! 
It's from uh, Marcus and Gibson's. <laughs> Sounds oh, like something you'd do. Hey, listen, if you're here and went to the bathroom, I'd be yelling, redraw. <laughs> you, you wouldn't have to leave Packing here. Up gear. I, I'd be like, hey, Bick, go outside for a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah just redraw. Sell and the off. winner is Bick Nizar. No, no, he's not here. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. It's mine. Yes. It's mine. Yes. Taking all the glory. Yeah, well, that's uh, management for you. Well, it is. You know, that, that's uh, a way of uh, getting more money for the charity. If if our people who are here don't win the prizes, so it's perfect. And uh, maybe I see, I'd be for maybe it. I see Seaball's vision, it. and you know, Forrest is still gutted, but I, mm-hmm. I get it. I'd get over a lot, a lot faster than Forrest did. <laughs> see, yeah. I, see, I'm not a golfer, so I, I, I get Forrest is really aggrieved by it. Yeah, but uh, I'd be like, you know what? Great cause. We're moving on. I'm just kidding. Forrest was cool with it. Force was fine with it. Pick uh, Nazar, uh, Craig McEwen here on the home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Keep your thoughts coming in. Uh, 650, 650, we were talking about the draft. Uh, you know, if, if you had a dream scenario, C-Mac, uh, and the way I look at it is I'm really hoping like a William Eklund slides to the Vancouver Canucks. A, a nice dynamic winger. Sure, he's 5'10". I know you love the guys that are you know six and above. Um but I look at that type of player, or a Kent Johnson, who might even just be there uh, at nine anyways, you think of the things that need to happen ahead of Vancouver to, to, to push guys down the board. I, I do look at the goaltender and think, Jesper Wallstadt, what happens with him if he goes in the top eight? You know, could the LA Kings do that? It's, it's those types of things that like, you need luck in the draft. You need things yeah. to happen. Barrett Hayton needs to go so you get Queen Hughes. These types of things. If you're a Canucks fan, you are rooting for Jesper Wallstadt to get drafted in the top eight. Yeah, you would, you know, listen. Because one of those changes everything. For sure, because if you're not going to trade for number one or get number two, like, yes, now you're at the whim or will of want mm-hmm. of what other teams ahead of you are doing. How are they playing it out? What are they prioritizing? And this, and we've talked about this with Will or Sammy Cosentino. This year is so different in the sense that these kids didn't get to play the hockey that mm-hmm. we normally get to see. They didn't get to be watched as much. So there's a lot of intel and intelligence that have gone into this in, in background stories that they're going to have to rely on because they don't maybe know where some of these guys are. Like a, a Mason McTavish to me is someone that you know I personally hope is, is there for the, the Canucks, uh, the, that building of the depth down the middle, that sort of idea. But a, a Kent Johnson, local kid, not a bad idea as well. But again, when you're sitting in that hole or that number, and Jim Benning said it, nine great prospects. I, I, I laugh if there were eight. I wonder if he would have said eight or seven. There but, 11. Yeah. But he, he said nine great. So they obviously have their list and their number and what it is, but it, it must be helpless. You know, we, we mentioned about Seattle and fantasy football. It's when you're on your, your fantasy football draft and you've got this great guy and you mm-hmm. just want to take him and he's just going to get there. And then all of a sudden, oh, he snapped up. Yep, and and it's the same now in the real world in the draft, and that's so difficult because you can make the best plans and say, hey, we'd like to do this, like to do that, but all of a sudden if someone's stolen your board, and, and not by looking at it, but just they had people ranked the way you did, you look at it and go, oh, now what do we do? So I, I'm still going to be interesting to see, Bick. I don't expect them to move the pick per se, but you know, Ian McIntyre was the one who suggested that you know it might be something that's in play, and I really did, you know, I know I, I, I give you a lot of grief, but I really did like your idea of can you leverage that pick and then move down a little bit? Well, and, it's and different get now, different. right? Yes. Like, yeah. it's, it, like my idea of that was, okay, for instance, Vancouver Canucks give up a third-round pick to Dallas, yeah. right, to, to get Jason Dickinson. Dallas is drafting 15th. Yeah. So in a scenario, it's could you go from 9 to 15? 
Thank you very much. We got people coming by saying, I, I do look like a golfer. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, the, to, to trade up is usually a second-round pick. Yeah. Could you just swap that value and say, hey, is there a team in there that we can rotate now and say, this is what it usually costs. Now we protect ourselves and, and, and we get a pick. For instance, like Winnipeg drafts 18th. Would it have cost a second-round pick to pry out Dylan DeMello prior to the expansion draft? Hard to say. Right. I, I, and I'm sure that everything and anything was on the table. They, they made the phone calls, they being Jim Benning and company, and tried to see what they could do. But, yeah, I, I – the draft is so intriguing because a player falls to you that you don't think and you're, you, you, you think you've won the lottery. If it doesn't happen that way and everyone above went, and you're like, oh, man, now If it goes chalk, yeah. if, if, if it goes chalk, it's, it's very difficult. And uh, uh, text coming in here unsigned. If Eklund and Edmondson, Simon Edmondson, happen to be there at nine, who do you take? And, I, and I, I'm taking the winger. I know tra- traditionally it's uh, you know draft positional value. Uh, centers and demons tend to skyrocket uh, around the, uh, the the draft. Uh, I, I'm a bit uh, skeptical on Simon Edmondson. Not that I don't think he'll be an NHLer. It's just yeah. it feels like a prototype player. And you start looking at hey, what Vancouver has drafted, and and you know what what catches Jim Benning's eye a lot of the time is prototypical players. To be honest, even Jason Dickinson, you could say, looks like a prototype player. Six two, two hundred, good skater, bigger, better. Bigger's better, but like <laughs> by and large, like he he's gone after Brandon Sutter. He's yep. gone after Eric Branson. He's gone after Jay Beagle. Guys who who look like prototypes that you hope develop into something more, and it hasn't always worked out. Because look, it, it's difficult at this level to become multifaceted, to become a top six player, become a top four guy, and be able to do you know jack of all trades. And I do look at I do look at a Simon Edmondson as a player that's raw and says, "Hey, he can be a lot of different things." Similar to the way that the, the, we talked about Philip Broberg when Edmonton drafted him, that was a name that was rumored towards Vancouver a lot. And s- similar thing, you know, he, he's got a lot of tools. He can't wait to put them all together. You know, we, we've had that conversation with a lot of different players, and I at that part of the draft top ten, I, I, I get a little bit squeamish to say. I do want a certain level of safety. I want an idea of what this player is rather than figuring it out on the fly when you're drafting the top ten. So you're looking for the, the certainty as opposed to... Like I, the, I know I know what William Eklund is, and yeah. I think there's a, a range of possibilities that he could become a superstar. I, I'm not sure I know what Simon Edmondson is right now, and, and that's tough to, to discern at 18 years old. And there's a lot of people in your camp. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who have said that about him and, and not 100% sure what he's doing. Um, this in the Dunbar-Lumber text inbox, 650-650, agreeing with you, Bick. I'm taking Eklund if he's available. Love that kid. There is a lot of love for him. Mm-hmm. And, but, I, you know, I guess to your point, we've seen that project or that idea of taking something that you hope something's going to turn into. And, you know what, for... Not everyone's going to be Tom Brady, and you're not going to get him Man. laid and, and, and develop into something. But that's the trick or the challenge when it comes to drafting kids this age. I feel like in the second round and beyond, if you just want to take tools and say, hey, maybe come – for instance, Nils Hoaglander. You would just look and say, hey, yep. energetic players, got some skill, maybe he figures it out. But look out. at how far he fell. Like the, 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 no, but, the, no, but that's what I'm saying. Like at, at that stage in the draft, I, I'm willing to take risks yep. on tools. Yeah. Your first round pick, and especially a top ten pick, I want to go for a superstar level player, but I also want a certain level of certainty because you're not meant to be picking in the top ten. 
And if you progress, you, you're not going to get this many opportunities to draft potential superstars. For sure, but we've we the the draft history is littered with you know top ten draft picks that didn't pan out. Like mm-hmm. like there the, there is really no I mean formula or plan. You, you know that that's in, in, in recently. Yeah. It, it hasn't worked out. You'll have a Vertanen, right? Like, yeah. It, it, it does feel like, uh, and in particular with Uolevi, I never looked at Ole Ulevi and thought, he's going to be a superstar. He's good. Like, no, I, he, I thought, he's I probably he more of your, your, your certainty in the sense if but, he didn't get hurt. Like, yes. But there was no chance of him becoming a, a yep. superstar. And that's why I look at it and say, hey, take some level of of certainty and then, uh, and then asp- and hope he becomes something greater. All right. Whereas, whereas Edmonton, I'm just, I'm just not sure. He, he, I feel like he could become top pairing, and he could be AHL D man. Yeah, it, it's. I, I guess you'd love to be able to see the Canucks list and board and, <laughs> and know, know what they're saying, but we're, we're not going to see that, and nor will we know until the draft day of what's exactly going to happen and who falls where and what opportunities sit there. Uh, a couple of Jason Dickinson questions coming into the uh, 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, programming note: four o'clock. Jason Dickinson joins Sat Dan Randeep uh, on the People's Show. So the newest Vancouver Canuck acquisition will uh, talk to uh, those three guys. And uh, another programming note: at uh, can we do this at five thirty? Five thirty. Cristo Fernandez. If you're thinking, never heard of that NHLer. Well, he's not an NHLer. Uh, if you've been watching the TV show, <laughs> Ted Lasso. Anything but an NHLer. Yeah, yes. Ted Lasso. If you've been watching that show. Uh, you'll know uh, Danny Rojas. Football is life. Is the actor is uh, Cristo Fernandez and uh, Ted Lasso season two premiering this Friday. Uh, so we were going to talk to Danny Rojas on uh, on the People Show. That is some great theater. That Ted Lasso. I, I love that show, man. It is so great. It just and not only is it a great show, it was like the perfect pandemic show. Yes, because it's filled with hope and optimism and and trying to be kinder to each other and all this sort of stuff. And we're all sitting at home binge watching the show. And we're all bitter because we're stuck at home. And it was just like the perfect show for the pandemic. And then you know, post pandemic, I'm excited to continue watching it. Yeah, the, the, the sometimes those shows come in hot and are yes. really good at the beginning, and then after that, they tail pretty yeah. quickly. So that that'll be interesting to see. There there was a CBC documentary or a mockumentary that escapes my mind, uh, and it opened with a, a a dad building a lean-to to his house so that his kid could get into the better district to play on the better hockey team. Okay. So he's building this long thing, and and it was done in the third person. There was a funeral home, and the name escapes me, and I'll, I'm going to go online and look after. But it started great. I was laughing. It seemed everything about like what minor hockey was, and then quickly did a left turn and wasn't nearly as good in, in season two. But. Right. No, uh, I'm excited. Uh, excited to talk to Christo at 5.30 as well. Uh, Sat Dan Randeep will uh, take care of that. It's all on the way uh, here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.